talking about the betrayal of Judas betraying his rabbi, his friend, his Lord. Um, this is a, a hard message. It's really a, a hard message. And Andrew is going to read the text that we're going to look at today, which is John chapter 13, verses 18 through 30. All right, so John uh, thirteen eighteen through 30. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. 
His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him, but no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast, or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. So how would you define betrayal? Just somebody tell me what is betrayal? What's that? Denying? Okay. Any other thoughts? Breaking a trust. Breaking a trust. I, I, I like that. I mean, I don't like it, but I like the definition. Any other thoughts? Turning against a friend. Yeah. Okay, so reject, re there's rejection there. There's a breaking of trust, breaking of confidence. You were for somebody, right? There is a foundation of trust, and now you are against them. You've turned on them. I think that's a, a good way to define betrayal. Anybody been betrayed here? You say you've been betrayed by a close friend, some of us even maybe by a spouse. Um... It hurts pretty bad, doesn't it? And the reality is the more intimate you are, the more close you are to somebody, the more destructive it is. And Jesus had invested in Judas's life for nearly three years. Right? He called Judas. He called Judas to himself. He equipped Judas. He loved Judas. He was faithful to Judas. He was family to Judas, just as he was to the other 11 disciples, right? So we want to we think of how deep the intimacy was. Jesus opened up his heart to Judas, and some things happened to Judas that caused severe damage. But I do want to say that even something as ugly as betrayal, and as what we see in John 13, 18 through 30, God used to bring incredible redemption to the world. Okay, so when we look at things like betrayal and really hard things that happen to us, we do want to say this is bad, this is awful. We also want to say there's a God that's bigger than the injustice done in our lives and the betrayal who can use it for good. And our life doesn't end. Our joy doesn't end when somebody betrays us. Betrayal is a process, right? And I'm, I'm going to say betrayal is sin. Betrayal is wrong. The Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God, right? When you love somebody, you're desiring their best. You are for them, right? Love, love overlooks things. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is patient, kind, 
It seeks the well-being of others. If you betray somebody, you're not loving them. You're hurting them. You're sinning against them, and betrayal is a big deal in, in the sight of God. And if people betray others and they're not under the blood, they're going to have to answer for that betrayal before the, the, the throne, before the white throne judgment. Right? So sin is, a, sin is a big deal. Betrayal is a big deal. And we can't take it lightly. The big destructive sins that cause a lot of damage don't just happen spontaneously most of the time. Usually there's a process that leads up to it. And the process isn't just external behavior. The process is my attitude, my values, maybe changing, maybe switching. Maybe my heart's getting hardened. Maybe, um, maybe I have an offense towards somebody. There's a process that leads up to the big ones. And um, in John 12, th 3 through 6, we see the first evidence of something amiss in Judas. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, right? He's going there to die for the sins of the world. Love is prompting him there, but on his way to Jerusalem, he visits Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and he recently raised Lazarus from the dead. He had a close relationship with his family. So on his way there, Mary takes an expensive jar of perfume. We're talking, I mean, you think like Ralph Lauren Pillow or these other ones, you know, like may, might be expensive because they're $100 or $200. Well, this is way more expensive. Okay, it says that this jar of perfume could have been sold for a year's wages. So this could have been worth 25, 30 grand, right? This is an incredibly expensive jar of perfume. Mary was so touched by Jesus, so transformed by his love, that she says Jesus and loving Jesus is more important than keeping $30,000 in the form of this perfume. Instead of using it on myself, I'm going to use this towards Jesus because his value is greater than anything else that I've ever come across. And you see this beautiful, lavish act of love where she breaks it open and she anoints his feet with it and she actually wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. Wow, that's an extravagant act of love. Well, there's somebody who's not excited about this, and that's Judas. And so he's like, okay, that's $30,000 here. And you just wasted it. You just poured it out on Jesus. This could have been sold, given to the poor. Well, in verse 6, it talks about the real motives of Judas. It says that he didn't really actually care about the poor. He just cared about the money. And it also says that he was in charge of the money bag. And it also says that he was a thief. It says that he took out of the money bag. Okay, this is a communal money bag for the support of the ministry of Jesus, which the disciples were part of. So we're seeing compromise in Judas. We're seeing that his values are different from the other disciples because they're, they're not stealing. Um, they're not criticizing what Mary had done. Judas is being deceptive. 
Judas is not acting in love. He's acting in selfishness. And it looks like money is an idol to him. Would you say that? Does it look like money maybe is an idol to this guy? Would you say maybe money is more important to him than being faithful? Maybe getting money is more important than having good character and being trustworthy? And maybe money is more important than loving people. Maybe money is more important than loving Jesus. So we see some things happening in this guy's heart. Some of these things that have been there for a long time. But do the disciples see it? The answer is no. They do not see it. And even in this passage, Jesus is like, okay, the one who's going to betray me is the one who I'm going to give this bread to, right? And Judas takes it, and they still don't get it. They still don't realize it. So Judas was able to be so deceptive and put on a, a mask, right, to, be, to pretend to be somebody that he really wasn't. Okay, that's, that's kind of scary when you think about it. Judas compromised. The Bible says that those who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. And I think it's fair to say that small compromises often lead to big compromises. Would you say that? I mean, we've probably all sometime in our lives made compromises. It could be in, in, in the arena of our sexuality. It could be in the arena of other areas of our, our character. And it's like, okay, now our heart, our heart is becoming hardened in certain areas. Maybe we're not treating somebody the way they deserve to be treated. Maybe we're holding on to offense. So there are these compromises, and sometimes there's a cascading snowball effect. Okay, I gave in on this level. It's going to be all the more easy to do the bigger thing, right? So Judas is compromising. Judas is sinning. He's stealing. He's being false. And um, Jesus responds to his rebuke of Mary, basically it's a rebuke towards Judas. Now you're always going to have the poor with you. You're not going to always have me. What Mary did was a good thing. She's anointed me for my burial. Mary is right and you're wrong. Okay, I think that Judas very likely got offended at that. And it's not that Jesus did anything wrong. It's that Judas's heart wasn't in the right place. And sometimes people can offend us and they're not doing anything wrong, but maybe we're, maybe wounds are getting pricked. Maybe we're misinterpreting what's being said to us. And we can develop offenses when the other person is actually not doing anything wrong. So you have a man who's compromised and who's sinning, but now the Bible opens up another door into the spirit realm. We choose sin sometimes. And the fact is, we're all tempted every day. Every one of you is tempted. I'm tempted. It could be a thought. It could be to have a bad thought or a critical thought about somebody. It could be to uh, do something that's not right. Okay, that's a part of the Christian life. We're in a war. The Bible portrays a Christian life as war. And sometimes it's not obvious. It's like Satan comes as a roaring lion sometimes, or sometimes as a, a snake in the grass, and you can't even see the snake, and he's coming slow and slow. And if we make compromises, we're getting close to that snake. Right? And in fact, the Bible says you let the sun go down your anger, that gives the devil a foothold. So that's an obvious one. Right? We make a decision in our hearts 
I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to do the right thing. And a whole lot of the offense, the Bible says that opens a door to demonic influence over our will, over our emotions. Okay, that's pretty sobering when you think about it, that my thought life has an effect of how the demonic affects me or doesn't affect me. Okay, that's pretty sobering when you think about it. It says in John 13, 12, the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. I can think of somebody else in the Bible who was tempted by Satan. That's Jesus himself, right? He came at him in different ways when he was very weak and very vulnerable. Oftentimes when we're very emotionally weak and very emotionally vulnerable, that's when he comes in. That's when he comes in when somebody's hurt us, right? Betrayed us. He comes in and he tries to take advantage of, of our weakness, our wound. Well, there's spiritual, demonic pressure on Judas now. It's not just his bad attitude. There's literally a demonic force opposing him and trying to use him for his wicked purposes. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. I'll be honest. I've been there. And it's not a good place to be. The devil had something to work with. He knew that Judas loved money. He knew there was an offense there. He knew Judas started to value money above friends. At least it was, seemed to be moving in that direction. And there's a process. There's a process we see unfolding in this story. Right? Judas makes bad decisions, bad values. He compromises. He sins. Then he's starting to get tempted by the devil in some pretty intense ways. But do you think Judas knows he's being tempted by the devil? Do you think he does? I'm going to say no. And my reasoning for that is this. I think Judas probably cast demons out of people. Because it says when the disciples were given power and authority to cast demons out of people that they all came back. And they said, we have power over demons. I think G or Judas saw people healed. I think Jesus, Judas knew uh, that there's a spiritual reality here, that demons are real, that God is real. And I think he knew that demons were bad and they were out to harm. So I don't think he knew that he was being tempted by the devil. And I think oftentimes we don't know we're being tempted by the devil. But yet we are sometimes to do things that would be destructive for ourselves and for others. The more we agree with demonic influence, the more they gain control over our lives. The reality is they don't have a right to do that. We give them the right to do that sometimes. Have you ever seen Christians consumed by bitterness? They're emotionally toxic. All they say is negative. They talk about this person did this to me, this person did this to me, blah, blah, blah. Have you ever met anybody like that who's a true believer but they are consumed by darkness? I have. We're talking big strongholds. We're talking they made a decision. And granted, I'm merciful. God's merciful. Some things are incredibly hard. Some pain is incredibly hard. And it takes so much grace and mercy to say no to wrongful attitudes and to say, God, help me to forgive this person who so deeply hurt me. But I'm saying it's a lot easier 
for us to give into the anger and to give into the hate and give into the bitterness because it's a lot more fleshly than to forgive. It takes a lot more nobility. It takes a lot more grace and courage and love to let go and to forgive somebody. We can find power in anger. Right? We can find power in uh, bitterness, and that becomes our identity. Our woundedness, our offense becomes our identity. And we give somebody power over us who so deeply hurt us, probably because we gave them more authority over our value and identity than we should have in the first place. Right? And maybe some of us have had girlfriends, boyfriends, spouses, close friends betray us, but maybe we look to them to be more than what they should have been in our lives. Maybe. Something to think about. Okay, verse 27 is a disturbing verse. I do not like this verse, but it says, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So here's another level of demonization. We're not just talking about temptation influencing the mind. We're talking like a literal taking over here. Like, like he went into this guy's body, a spirit. It may have been the big guy. I don't know, probably. So, so Judas, as he continued to compromise in his heart and agree with darkness, bigger and bigger doors opened up in his life to the point where the enemy like literally took over this guy. And we know what happened. I mean, he takes the 30 silver coins. He chooses money over faithfulness and friendship. Right? This is huge. This is, this is incredible what happens. Now, I do deliverance. I, do, uh, I deal with spiritual warfare on a very regular basis. It's very rare that I'm going to see a demon talk out of a Christian, but you know what? I've seen it before. And to say that, it's not the same thing as, as what we're seeing with Judas here. Because if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. right? You belong to Jesus. You legally belong to Jesus. The Bible refers to Judas as a son of perdition. So we don't have to be afraid that we're going to be taken over to that extent. But when I've seen people compromise in really big ways or get involved in a cult and things like that, I've seen, I've seen manifestations with their bodies. Um, and, and even, as I said before, demons speaking out of them at times. That's pretty serious. That's pretty intense. But um, oftentimes, it's more along the lines of just their attitude um, again, woundedness, unresolved woundedness can really open doors to the demonic. And it can be your thought life. It's like, why am I thinking all these negative thoughts? Why are, is my thought consumed by this person and what this person did to me? If that's the case, I think there's more than just your mind at work. I think there literally is a demonic stronghold going on. So we, we looked a little bit at Judas here, but let's look at Jesus. The more I look at Jesus, the more impressed I am by him. Jesus did nothing except the Father lead him to do it. When he chose the 12 disciples, God led him to do that. Judas wasn't a mistake. Nobody that he chose was a mistake. He knew from the beginning, the Bible says this, that Judas would betray him. Okay, now, if anybody here knew, it might be your spouse, it might be a close friend that a year or two from now, they were going to betray you. They were going to be unfaithful in a big way. Do you think it would be hard for you to be vulnerable to them or to love them or to open your heart up to them or to, like, sow into their well-being? Would that be hard for you? 
Yeah, it, it would. It would be hard for me, too. But I, th- I think this Jesus, who's a man, he's God, but he's man, too, and he has emotions just like we do, and he wants people to love him and be faithful to him just like we do. He's not looking at that for identity, but that is his desire. He wants faithfulness. He knows Judas is going to betray him, but he still loves him. We see no offense in his heart. Do, I, do we see pain in, Je- in Jesus' heart? I believe we do, and I'm going to tell you the verse. It says that he's troubled in spirit when he was, when he was talking about Judas is, is going to betray me. When he's going to betray me? He's troubled in spirit. And I think the most logical interpretation in that context is a close friend of mine is going to betray me, and this hurts. Okay? That's what I think is going on here. I think that it's hard for him because a real person that he really loves, who's really a part of his life, is now going to turn on him and cause him emotional harm. And not just that, but physical harm, right? I mean, that's, that's the catalyst that gets this stuff going. Okay? Judas is going to be held responsible for that. But, um, well, I'll say this. Jesus stewarded the betrayal in an incredible way. He did not let his emotions get dark or toxic. Right? He was, she showed unconditional love. He was forgiving. That's the right way for us to deal with betrayal. Right? If we let the sun go down our anger, Satan gets a foothold. If we're really damaged or broken, well, we really need God to heal us. We really need support from others. But to simmer on something and to not let it go, then we're in trouble. That's not a good place to be. Jesus never went there. That shows you how strong he is emotionally and morally. It's, it's incredible when you think about it. And the, the verse I took was John thirteen twenty one. in case you're curious. Jesus did not punish Judas. He did not try to control Judas. He didn't do any of that stuff. He respected Judas's free will. And the reality is, God chose Judas. And this stuff, sometimes we have to wrestle with this. God did not exploit Judas. He did not use or manipulate Judas. Judas made a decision out of his own heart. That's his free will and he's responsible for it. Yet God knew it would happen. And it was part of God's great plan to bring salvation to the world. Okay, so God is not a manipulator here. But the reality is, Romans 8.28, God works all things together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So can I look at that verse by faith and apply it to my situation? This person used me. This person betrayed me. This person really hurt me. And it shouldn't have happened. However, God knew it would happen. And God loves me. And God is going to redeem that in my life. Is God a big enough God to do that? If he could do it with Judas, such a horrible act and bring such incredible blessing that's like insurmountably greater than the bad that happened, God can bring out like a a good that's a billion times better than the bad that happened. I think God can do that in my life. So I don't thank God for the betrayals in my life, but I thank God for the redemption of the betrayals in my life. I thank God for the character development that happens. I thank God that he meets me in special ways that he wouldn't otherwise meet me had I not had that need. Right? 
Now, I do want to move into a, a time of prayer, and Jacob is also going to share something. Um, I'm talking about a pretty sensitive issue, right? Betrayal, it really, 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 really hurts. And so sometimes we feel so ashamed. We feel so incredibly ashamed because, again, our identity wraps around, okay, this happened to me, this person did it to me, and this betrayal determines my value. I deserved it or whatever, you know? People think I'm a, a, a junk because somebody left me, somebody divorced me, somebody did this and that. Okay, I just want to say... What, what people do to us does not determine our value. It does not define our value. Okay? I just want to say that. But now I'm going to say this. You know, we want to have a healthy, safe, loving environment. I hope that you think that I, I'm safe. I hope that you feel that, you know what, no matter what you told me, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to hurt you. But I'm going to support you. Right? I'm going to respond in a Christ-like way, and I'm hoping that we can do that for each other. So if, if this message touched anybody's heart and maybe the Lord highlighted there's some unresolved issue regarding betrayal in my life that needs more healing, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And if that's you, we're, we're going to ask for people to come around and just pray for them. And I know it's kind of scary and, and all of that, but I, I really felt the leading of the Holy Spirit on the message that I shared um, anybody feel they need ministry with betrayal at all? Okay, I see somebody raising their hand. Thank you for, for doing that. So if some people want to lay hands on Nemo, please do that. And as I said, I've been betrayed very in very deep ways. It's going to be very deep damage. I'm not ashamed of that. That's just a part of life. We're in a broken world. That's a part of life. A lot of broken people. So, Father, we just... We just come to you. And Lord, even where there's shame, where there's shame over being betrayed, Lord, where it so attacked our sense of identity, it so attacked our sense of self-worth, Lord, and we embrace the shame. We let that person who betrayed us define our sense of value and self-worth. Lord, we just... Say no more, because only you can define our self-worth. And you say we're worth dying for. We're worth dying for. And we acknowledge that we didn't deserve to be betrayed. We didn't deserve to be rejected or mistreated, God. And we choose to forgive those who have betrayed us. We choose to forgive them, Father. Because we don't want there to be any open doors that are going to torment us. God, forgiveness brings freedom. Lord, and there's just so much pain that comes with betrayal and rejection. And you care about our pain. You understand. And Father, I ask right now that you'd bring your healing love and your healing power into those tender, scared parts of our hearts. Lord, we're now it's af we're afraid to be open. We're afraid to be vulnerable because we think that somebody's going to hurt us again, that we're going to be betrayed again. God, help us to be able to trust again. Help these parts of our hearts to come to the surface again and to let go of the false identity, to let go of the pain. 
We ask that you'd bring comfort to us. Thank you, Father God. Bring true identity this morning. True identity this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Jacob has a word that he felt led to share. When I looked at him during worship, I felt that he had a word to share as well. So come on. Great. Well, uh, yeah, I was kind of wondering if I should share this. And even when we were in the beginning and I was like, well, I'll just wait. But I just really feel like the Lord has put it on my heart to really share this. And mostly um, it's because of something that happened a few days ago. And I really believe that the Lord, um, and even if it uh, in the spirit of it being Father's Day today, um, really just wanting to, the Lord really wanting to administer his heart and his love in the inner city. Um, a couple days ago, I was with a couple of guys from Communitas, and we went inside Jurassic World, uh, which if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's really, really good. Um, but uh, after we had left, I was standing outside the theater, and I saw a group of three boys, that uh, African-American boys that were probably like no older than 15 and there had been an altercation with an officer and they were grabbing at him and and saying that he had mistreated them and uh, swearing at him and, and just shouting in his face how corrupt that they thought police were um, and just really just kind of like like disrespectfully just you know getting up into his face and after he had escorted them out I was looking over and I was like I really felt like the Lord was putting it on my heart to go say something uh, to these group of uh, uh, of young men, and um, I was like, "Oh Lord, I don't, I don't really know, like if they if they're gonna accept what I'm gonna say or or what I'm gonna share." And and um, I was like, "Lord, if they stay for the next five minutes, I'll go over and talk to them." And so. Um, they left and I was like okay I'm out of the boat like we're all good to go but then they came back and then um so I was like all right I'll go over and uh so I had just asked uh what had happened if and if they were all right and and um they were just like basically what they said to me was screw the police screw everyone else that tries to tell us what to do or that that um just kind of a, a really kind of sour and and broken kind of attitude and I was like okay um and really I was just able to to share you know and kind of speak into their lives you know I, I really said you know um basically I said now's not the time really to um really take matters into your own hands and to really you know um do something out of your own emotion or your own frustration and I said I, I get it you know I bet you've seen all the stuff that's been happening I said I know it's frustrating to see it um, but I really felt like the Lord was just he brought me over there to just really bring kind of like peace and comfort and kind of like the the anger and and the rage that was there and I was just really able to speak into their lives and I said you know I just said I see you guys as leaders but in order to be leaders in your community you have to set a standard for yourselves and an example for one another and hold each other accountable you know and and 
really because what I even explaining to them, I said, you know, what's going to happen is if something did happen and it was on the news the next day, your side of the story wouldn't be, you know, seen. It wouldn't be heard. It would just be, you know, another group of a story of another group of kids disrespecting the law. And basically what you would say wouldn't even be held into account. And it's something that doesn't even affect you three. It's something that it affects our entire community, you know, something that if one of us does, the rest of us look bad, you know. And they were like, oh, yeah, that, that really makes a lot of sense. And um, I really just felt like peace in the, in the, whole, in the whole time and in the whole situation. And I was able to just, you know, continue to encourage them and, and, and speak into their lives. And I, I really felt like even in that time that the Lord was saying that the biggest thing I think you'll see, especially in you, when you go into different parts of the city, is a lack of the Father's heart. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of, you know, single parent families and there's a lot of um, despair, you know, and I really feel like the Lord is kind of an encouragement to all of us and especially even like like the men of this body to really just go out and wherever you are and, and whatever you're doing, just to continue to allow yourself to be used by the Lord and to be able to speak into into the, these young people's lives, you know, and um, a lot of people have said to me, well, I don't think that God can ever use me in any kind of way. And I totally get what you're saying because I used to feel the same way. But I just want to let you know that that is a lie from the pit of hell, you know, and that there, God has such big plans and there's no doubt in my mind for everyone in this congregation to use you all in a specific way for his kingdom. Um, a lot of people have told me I, I, I want to go out and, and minister to the nations and, and preach to the nations and bring the good news to different countries. And I would say to you, go for it. If you feel like the Lord is calling you to do it, go for that 100%. But for those of you who feel like you'll never do that, I want to let you know that you don't have to go to another country or another place far away to administer God's love. If you really want to find the lost, if you really want to find the broken, if you really want to find those who are hurting, literally just go down the road to Walmart at like, 10 or 11 o'clock on a weeknight or a weekend because you'll find them and you'll find people anywhere you are that that need the father's heart that need his love it might be the person that you're working with who just went through a divorce like bob said it might be um the family or, or kids of a family at school whose parents aren't being able to provide or make ends meet it might be you know one of your neighbors who who's just lost or is in the process of losing everything they own there's always something you know, there's no just like one group or, or a certain group of people. We all need it, you know. So I just really felt like the Lord encouraging all of us to just really go out and, and be used by him. Would you pray for, I want to pray for all the men here because regardless if you have like physical children or not, that doesn't matter. We can be fathers to people um, nonetheless and release the father's love to people. So I'm going to ask for the women to lay hands on the men. Is that all right? Is that okay to cross like that over and then uh, <laughs> touch men? Um, and we're, we're going to pray and we're going to have Jacob lead us in a prayer for the men and also just for a, a greater release of the Father's love. Hmm. Lord, we just thank you for who you are, God. We just thank you for the doors you open. And, and I just am asking, Lord, in this season of time, um, for all the men 
uh, in this congregation that you would just continue to, to fill us up and take us to a deeper level, that um, you would continue to use us uh, in, in, in different ways to administer who you are and your heart to different parts of the city and even in our neighborhoods, even in our own families, God, to our family members as well. Lord, I just pray that as we go out in our everyday activities, that it would be so evident for, for who you want us to talk to and, and who you want us to minister to. And I pray, Lord, that you would also in this time just continue to embolden us um, as we go out in our everyday activities, that there would be no fear of man or no spirit of fear that would say, don't talk to this person, it will be awkward. Don't talk to this person, they'll reject what you say. But I just pray that you would just continue to embolden all of us to go out and 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 to do what you called us to do, to, to reach the lost, to reach the broken, Lord. Um, I just bless everyone here, and I uh, ask in this time that you would continue to use us in a mighty way to do your work and your will. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you. We're going to break up into prayer, and you know, feel free to share any prayer need or just what's on your heart, but as we've been talking about betrayal and working on healing with some betrayal in our lives that if you feel safe enough with people um, to share that and to get prayer for that, it's good to bring things into the light, like our emotions and our pain and all that kind of stuff. And God tends to touch us in that way um, when we just expose things. We get freedom, get healing. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as Levi said, it is good. So enjoy your Sunday and enjoy fellowshipping with one another if you're able to break up in groups now.